subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBTQ stories. I am your curator, Karis Bradley. Welcome to The Coming Out Tapes. Um, today I am joined by uh, Rosie Wilby, um, who has very kindly invited me into her very beautiful home. Um, would you like to introduce yourself for the listeners? Uh, yes, well hello, yes I am Rosie Wilby. I am a comedian and the author of a book called Is Monogamy Dead? and a trilogy of comedy shows investigating love and relationships and also the host and creator of the Breakup Monologues podcast. So I guess a lot of my creative work looks at relationships, love and sexuality which has been something I've been interested in for kind of 20 years or well more than that kind of kind of 25 years or more since I came out and kind of realized that I was was a gay woman um I mean I guess when I was coming out you know the you were kind of lesbian or gay I mean the LGBTQ community wasn't I mean we we were embracing of bisexuality and there were one or two trans people I knew but I guess it wasn't the LGBTQ community. It was more kind of L and G still in those days. So so really the, there were only those kind of ways to define if you knew that you were attracted 
to the same gender. So, so yes. So I think I always thought of myself as a as a gay woman or a lesbian. Although, I think most of my lesbian friends we kind of find that word <laughs> a little a little clunky as opposed to just saying that you're gay. And it's just like the number of syllables, or do you think you associate it with something? I don't know. I think it's a mix. I think yes, it it maybe has been used to have negative connotations, which of course get you know gay has as well and and still does. But um, I think somehow it it just yeah it just felt more clumsy and 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 kind of more difficult just to say. Perhaps just because it is more syllables and, and gay just feels neater. Um, I mean, obviously now I'm kind of quite interested in the way people have reclaimed the word queer, but I think that was really not on the horizon at all when I was sort of out on the gay scene in the 1990s. Queer was still, certainly by people 10 years or 20 years older than me, was seen as a really kind of quite shocking word. Um, So it hadn't been reclaimed yet. When did you first start to uh, consider yourself or call yourself gay? Um, well, I was a teenager in the 1980s, which was a terrible decade to start realising that you were gay because we had Margaret Thatcher as Prime Minister who was very, very clear how she felt about <laughs> people who were not traditional in their family values in any way. Um, you know, she, she was uh, pretty pretty down on the gays or single mums or, or anyone really who wasn't a conventional nuclear family unit um so yeah it was it was not a great time to to start thinking that yes I kind of had those attractions to other girls at school um I think for me initially it was it felt like a very intense romantic connection rather than you know kind of really really sexual I think it was more about wanting to be close to people and spend time with people when I was sort of in my early teens um, rather than necessarily thinking about it as a sexuality right away so I think there there was a, a question mark in my head as to whether it was you know intense friendships in the way that many many girls who are you know are heterosexual now that I knew at school you know had very intense female friendships and you had kind of a best friend and then oh I don't know you would like break up with your best friend and it would be awful and then you know maybe um, you would get a new best friend and it kind of was like dating even amongst all the straight girls at school so that was quite confusing. Um, so you said that you started to have um, these like you first started to consider yourself gay when you were in school um is that when you came out um yes well yes and no because I didn't um I sort of had intense attachments to other girls when I was in my teens in school but I didn't really come out I think my school felt like quite a homophobic atmosphere to come out although strangely my mum in particular and and my dad to a degree but my mum in particular was a bit um, ahead of the curve in being quite liberal and quite accepting about these things so ultimately it was I think after just after I'd gone away to my first year at university but ultimately it was my mum who sort of outed me if you like because um, she kind of just you know as as mothers do they have an instinct about their child and 
I can't even remember if I had said something or she'd, I think she'd once read some little kind of love notes or not even love notes I'd written to someone, but some little kind of scribblings I'd hidden in a drawer that I'd written about some girl at school that I I saw her today and, you know, all this kind of thing. And um, so my mum just said to me, um, she sort of waltzed outside one day after she'd been doing her her aerobic video, <laughs> VHS video, um, and um, and said, oh, I wouldn't mind if I had a daughter who was a lesbian. And I was like, oh, no. You know, I was the one who was like, oh, don't, don't talk about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she was sort of overly embracing of it. And um, I recently bumped into one of my old school friends who came to a gig of mine in Bristol, And she was saying that I do some comedy material about my mum kind of going around the neighbourhood telling everybody that her daughter was gay. And she said, it was actually true because your mum came running up to my parents and was like, guess what, Rosie's gay. And so she was like, she was really excited about it, which, you know, you weren't in the 1980s, you weren't supposed to be excited that your daughter was gay. Um, And so it was quite, it was quite funny because she kind of hinted that in a different era maybe she could have been a lesbian I mean I don't doubt that she really loved my dad but my dad wasn't a conventional kind of man's man um and so I can kind of see how she didn't because she got married later and she had lots of really close female friends before that and she went on holiday with her female friends and yeah I could see how women were incredibly important to my mum so it kind of made sense that she kind of really empathised with with the idea of being gay. Do you remember when you first said the words out loud that you were gay? Um, oh, that is that's really interesting because because I kind of remember my like you say like I say I remember my mum saying it, um, and so I think I was kind of more passive in that I allowed people to kind of come to their own conclusions and make their own assumptions and then just not you know do that more passive aggressive thing of not actually correcting them so they thought oh okay I'm right then (laughs) um yeah I mean although it's interesting because I have lived such an out gay life um I became the woman's officer at university and um you know was part of various kind of lesbian feminist collectives and we had this feminist newspaper that was really quite queer um and quite sort of radical um and then obviously ever since I came to London I've been part of lots of different gay groups and gay activism groups and been very out on stage as a comedian and previously as a musician when I was doing music a lot of my songs were about things like section 28 and kind of um just just sort of really kind of addressing issues of of being different and that kind of thing so yeah I think I've done it rather than kind of making a big clear statement like that I've I've you know I've done it through the work that I do and I made it pretty blooming obvious that I am gay without necessarily walking up to people in my life and going hello I'm Rosie I'm gay um do you know what I mean yeah do you think that that was um was that a conscious choice do you think um I think it was just um 
you know, I grew up in that climate of, of fear that, you know, gay people wouldn't want to be discovered. You would want to sometimes pass covertly as a as a heterosexual, you know, just really for your own safety. Um, I mean, I did, you know, go to a fairly middle class school and have very kind of middle class friends and then went to a sort of very middle class university. So to some extent, things were safe. But there was that element of particularly when I started going to to gay clubs and gay bars and venues they were often down the kind of slightly seedy streets and you had to kind of walk through a room into a lesbian back room and and you would walk through a load of kind of straight men who would all stare at you and you would feel you were running the gauntlet a little bit and um and there was it definitely felt like there was an element of danger to being gay um an actual you know actual physical danger so I suppose it just felt like it was safer to be able to stay in the closet as and when you you needed to and have the people who just didn't kind of be you know the idea of being gay wouldn't occur to them there would be some people who would just assume that you were straight and I suppose I've always looked um you know just just relatively femme-ish um so people who want to assume I'm straight probably would um, but I think in the work that I do, it, it's, it's always really clear. But but some people don't, you know, they close their eyes and ears to that. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it just comes from growing up in that kind of time when when there, there was just a, a real, real element of wanting to be safe physically. Um, so where would you consider yourself to be out? Well, I consider myself to be out everywhere. I mean, I suppose I've lived just a very kind of gay life ever since I came to London. And that was really a big change for me in terms of losing that sense of fearfulness. Um, You know, because in London, it suddenly felt like there were really cool places to go to be gay. I mean, sadly, a lot of those have closed now. (laughs) Um, You know, as we kind of progress in, in... many ways in kind of terms of legal equality but actual community in terms of the lgbt movement has has maybe fragmented um so there was a yeah as soon as i came to london there was a real sense of of family and community and and it felt really cool so i feel like i started a life you know it's almost like you could say i was kind of reborn when i came to london in what 1993 i think um and that was when life really began because I could be authentic. And I always knew when I grew up in, I grew up in um, a town called Ormskirk uh, in Lancashire, quite near Liverpool and went to university in York. But I always knew that getting to London was the critical thing um, and that that would be some kind of starting point. Do you think that's this? So you said that the community is kind of fragmented. Do you think that it's the same now for people like growing up outside of, of London? Do you think it has maybe the same pull? Well, perhaps not, but perhaps that might be because of the internet. So I think you can feel more connected to the gay community. I mean, perhaps not in the <laughs> in the ideal ways because dating apps are not not always the the greatest place for one's self esteem. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I grew up when um, the, you know there was no internet. There were you know to to kind of. Uh, try and meet somebody you would 
place an advert in the pink paper and you would, you know, you would literally kind of write an advert and post it in in an envelope with a stamp on it and it would take a few days to get there and then it would appear in the paper and then someone might send you a reply through a P.O. box and so it would be very kind of long and drawn out messaging and conversation. It's not like this instant messages now. Um, (laughs) So it would take forever to actually hear from someone to see if they were maybe interested in, you know, you might meet someone eventually. (laughs) Um, So you've told us about how uh, your mum came out for you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Both to you and to everyone else. Um, how did your dad respond when you did you come out to him or did he just hear through your mum? Yeah, it was all kind of secondhand through my mum. Although um, she was so enthusiastic that she did try to involve, you know, him and me and um, my girlfriend, Susie, who was my first girlfriend. She did try to involve us in the in the kind of discussion about lesbianism. And I remember a memorable time, actually, when she got out, she kind of rooted from the bookshelf, rooted it out. She got this um, lesbian poetry book out um, <laughs> that she had because she was um, an English literature lecturer and a lot of her kind of feminist and lesbian students would kind of come and talk to her and confide in her or maybe even have little crushes on her. So she would teach a lot of kind of women writers and and lesbian writing and so she would discover all this stuff that was perfectly natural that she would have a book of kind of full-on lesbian poems and so she started as we were all eating our tea um my girlfriend had come around for tea and she started reciting lesbian poetry to us (laughs) that's amazing I, i can't imagine what, how did you feel when that happened? Was oh, it, like, was I was it good? just dying inside. It was like, I mean, <laughs> of course it was great. She was so embracing, but it was it was too much. It was embarrassing. It was, um, it felt a bit like a scene from Absolutely Fabulous or something. <laughs> mm. um, and your, was your dad as supportive? Well, I think he was a bit, sometimes he would be trying to rein her in a bit, um, not within my earshot, but I could kind of tell there was a bit of him kind of going, oh, are you sure you should be encouraging her so much? Um, but, <laughs> I mean, he kind of went along with what, you know, what she said, but also what seemed to be right for me and making me happy because, 
yeah, he he is a very open-minded man just as much as, as you know, my mum was very liberal too. So I think they were both just very kind of gentle, accepting people. They both turned to Quakerism later in life, which, of course, is a very kind of accepting religion. And um, so it kind of all makes sense, really, that, that that's the kind of people that, that my dad still is. My mum was, sadly, not here anymore. But, um, yeah. Wait, so you've um, you've started. So you've written this book, which is about monogamy and relationships. Yes. Is it about traditional family values a little bit as well? Um, well, it's about kind of reclaiming some of those traditional concepts like monogamy, because I think you can be monogamous um, even in, you know, very alternative types of relationships if you're queer or if you're non-binary or however you're doing things and you want to actually think outside the box about how you have a relationship you might want to you know be very honest and compassionate and communicate really well in the same ways that people who are polyamorous and open up their relationships might do but I think I wanted to find a new way of of being monogamous because in the past monogamy had meant actually not communicating very well and having loads of secrets and I witnessed that amongst friends as well who were kind of having affairs or cheating or if not full-blown sexual affairs kind of emotional affairs that they were sort of hiding from their partners so there was clearly kind of a lot of a, a lot of complex things going on that people weren't fully owning and when you were writing your book and also your trilogy of shows do you think that like doing all of that research and doing all of that like theorizing did that change your relationship with your sexuality at all definitely I mean I talk in the book about how you know I wonder if my orientation is more complex and nuanced um, than I realized at the time when I was coming out in sort of the early 1990s because like I say at that time you were either straight or you were gay. Things were really quite binary. And, of course, gender was still incredibly binary. Um, so I guess um, I started to kind of acknowledge that, you know, I may actually have always been slightly more bisexual, even though my romantic attachments are pretty much always towards women. Um, you know, I have had attractions to to men over the years, and I also kind of find playing with gender kind of quite interesting now um you know I I do identify as female but I kind of I find the whole queer movement in in all of those senses very interesting and yeah I don't know if that had been more to the fore when I was coming out maybe I would have played with different identities and labels for for who I was but it it was kind of quite limited back then so you think that your sexuality is like maybe slightly more mature than, or maybe your relationship with your sexuality is more mature than it was when you were in school? Well, I guess, I, I would hope so. <laughs> I'm in my 40s now, so, you know, <laughs> you would hope one grows up and um, be begins to understand oneself, although, blimey, we never really fully do. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I would hope that I'm I'm getting there with, trying to be at one with myself and my sexuality and and have healthier more honest and respectful and compassionate relationships with 
with my partner. And all it took was a book and three shows to get to that. Or do you think that you would have, do you think that you started to write the book because of the journey that you went on? Um, I think it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? To some extent, yes, I wanted to write comedy shows about love and relationships to answer questions for myself. And then that also obviously became a book. And so there was this big quest, this kind of adventure to understand some of the psychology behind love and relationships and and particularly um, put same-sex relationships at, at the fore of that because I read so many psychology books about relationships and they're so, so heteronormative and there's almost a disclaimer at the front of every one of them saying, oh, well, this book is primarily about heterosexual relationships, but we'll just assume that all those other relationships work the same. And I really don't think they do because I think queer relationships have been really interesting over the past few decades because you see these really different patterns of behavior that have emerged when you look at what lesbians have done over the years and what gay men have done over the years when they've had to think outside of the box of the societal norms of marriage and those kind of structures and biological families and children. Um, Actually, these whole concepts like friends as family and I mean, I, I kind of joke that lesbians pioneered and invented conscious uncoupling long before Gwyneth Paltrow. But I think that's true because older lesbians really had to stay friends with exes because it was such a closed community. And before there were really gay bars that welcomed women, lesbians all used to meet in one another's homes. And so you couldn't really suddenly exclude yourself from that because you didn't want to see your ex. So do you think that same-sex relationships are different to differing sex relationships? Well, there are some things that are universal about how the brain works in love and when we fancy people. But I think I think gender, uh, you know, or biological sex and gender identity do play roles. In, and, but it's really difficult because how do you actually separate the biology and, you know, that, that kind of essential nature of of a man or a woman or somebody who's trans or non-binary from the sort of social conditioning that impacts how you know that animal because we're all animals actually behaves in the world so I think what's been kind of really interesting to look at in terms of monogamy is how women have probably behaved in certain ways around fidelity and monogamy more because of how we feel we should behave than than because of our actual instinct and evolutionary biology um you know you do see this pattern of lesbians um sort of i joke about it again but stereotypes exist because there is a kind of truth behind them um and lesbians have kind of evolved this pattern of being very serially monogamous and breaking up more frequently than other kind of types of of couples and partnerships whereas gay men have largely um been drawn towards kind of open relationships and and having sexual partners outside of a primary partnership and making that work very successfully um and these things are changing slightly as we do now have marriage and so on but um i think yeah there 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 are these different kind of patterns of behavior emerging and i think to some extent um people's biological sex and gender identity does play a part (laughs) 
So you had this quite, I would say, unconventional coming out kind of story. Yeah. Um, what does coming out mean to you? Um, I guess coming out means being authentic. But I think that's hard to do when you're... Because I guess many people who realise that they are gay or queer or, or really any, you know, queer in any sense uh, in terms of gender, sexuality or or, or however they, they kind of want to define that. I think it's difficult to articulate it for yourself when you're 16 or 17 um, because we don't know who we are in so many different ways. I was really lost when people asked me what career I wanted to do. And I actually did a degree in electronic engineering because I was good at maths and physics at school. And I thought, well, this is no way what I want to do with my life. I've ended up being a stand-up comedian. I mean, we really don't know who we are in so many different ways. So I think it, it made sense to me that almost you know, my, my mum kind of saw it and articulated it for me because we are so inarticulate when when we're that young. I mean, of course, I, I have met, you know, now some young people seem kind of very kind of sure of who they are. And I, I feel um, quite blown away by, by some of the younger people that I meet because I, I really had no idea. Um, and, you know, perhaps partly that's because... Um, you know being gay just was really brushed under the carpet and not talked about but also I think it's yeah I think it's hard when you're young to to know much about yourself because it's all through living and experiencing stuff that you learn Thank you so much for listening. Um, you've been listening to me, Karis Bradley. I'd like to say a couple of thank yous to the other people who've worked on this project. So Alex Lathbridge, who has helped with the hosting of the podcast and also the compiling of, of the music that you've heard um, and to Scary Boots for creating our incredible artwork. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, and if you want to get involved and be interviewed on the podcast, then there's a link um, on the website and in the bio of our, our Twitter. So there's a little form that you can fill out. I hope you have a lovely day. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, if people want to hear more about your uh, thoughts and the things that you've learned about uh, monogamy and relationships, where can they buy your book? Cool. Well, um, I'm, I quite like Twitter and I'm at Rosie Wilby on Twitter if anyone wants to follow me there. And I do tweet lots of links about what I'm doing. Uh, there but the book is available on Amazon or Waterstones or kind of all good bookie places but if you want to get a physical copy there are lots of really really cool indie bookshops that I would recommend you go to especially Gaze the Word which is one of my absolute favorites so if you're in central London they definitely have a few copies and quite a few signed copies actually as well so so do pop in there because it's a brilliant place to go anyway and also my podcast the breakup monologues is free on itunes and all good podcast platforms what's the breakup monologues can you describe the podcast um it's me and a couple of guests every month um from the world of comedy literature performance kind of chewing the fat over breakups and telling some of our own breakup stories but also looking at kind of how technology plays a role in breakups and our communication around them 
um, laughing about divorce parties and whether they can ever be a good idea, uh, <laughs> thinking about whether an open relationship could prevent you breaking up or extend the life of a relationship um, and, and various questions and, and ideas around that. Um, so, yeah. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.